Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning. There's a few of you here, so I kind of expect a little bit more. Good morning. Hey. <laughs> so my name is Joel. I'm one of the elders here. And this morning we're going to, get, going to continue on in our sermon series through Jesus's parables. And so this summer, each of the elders is coming up and choosing one of the parables from, that Jesus told during his ministry here on earth. And we're walking through and we're seeing what is Jesus saying? What is he trying to communicate to us? If you've been here uh, throughout the series, you know that Jesus' parables are really kind of these little stories that he uses to try and communicate how God's kingdom works. What, what is God's economy? How does he work? Um, and what, what does this look like as his kingdom is being ushered into the world? And Jesus specifically uses these little parables, these little stories, um, to kind of hide some of the meaning that he wants to try and communicate. And he does this for a few different reasons. One, there's always religious leaders uh, in the story that are trying to come after Jesus to try and catch him. And so one of the things that he's doing is he's trying to kind of hide some of his meaning so that the people that are really interested, who are really looking and trying to understand who is this guy who's going around teaching and preaching, who's this guy who's casting out demons, who's this guy proclaiming God's kingdom, who is he and what is he talking about? And so if, the, if people in the audience are thinking about it and looking at it and listening to these parables and diving deeper into them, they can start to grasp the meaning that Jesus is going for. And so the parables, many of them kind of hide their meaning. If you remember back to when we talked about the parable of the sower, Jesus gives this parable and afterwards his disciples come up and are like, we have no idea what you're talking about mind explaining this to us? And so he goes through and he actually explains there's specific meaning behind each of these parables that he's telling. Other parables that he tells, though, are pretty straightforward. At least they seem pretty straightforward. And today, the parable that we're going to look at is going to be seem pretty straightforward to us. And so uh, it might also be a pretty familiar parable to you. If you've been coming to church for a while, you may have heard a sermon preached on this before. You might have read this before and thought about it before. And so I want to encourage everyone uh, in two different ways before we dive in. First, if this parable seems straightforward to you as we go through and read it, I encourage you to do the hard work that Jesus wanted his original audiences to do of diving in and trying to actually understand what's the meaning behind this parable. And the second encouragement I have for you is if this sounds familiar and you're like, oh, I've heard this one before, we're good. I encourage you, listen with new ears, try and understand what God is trying to tell you about his kingdom today. So this morning, we're going to be taking a look at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we thank you that we are here this morning, either in person or online. We thank you that you care about us. We thank you that you have sent Jesus, and it's not just that you sent Jesus to die and rise again, though that is the crux of our faith, but you've also sent him to teach and preach the good news, your kingdom, 
And we pray that this morning, Spirit, that you will give us ears to hear. We pray that you will soften our hearts. That you will help us understand the deeper meaning behind Jesus' words. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, who is our Lord and our King. Amen. So this morning, like I said, we're going to be going through the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. So this, this account is found in Luke chapter 18. It starts in verse 9 and goes to verse 14. So listen, listen to what Jesus says. He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. So this, like I said, this parable seems pretty straightforward. Jesus tells it. We have the context of why he tells it. We have kind of the meaning behind it that he gives. But I think it's so important that we dive in and really, really look, what is Jesus trying to communicate? So let's start off just like recapping this parable, walking through it again. So Jesus says that two people went up to the temple to pray. Now for us, this might seem a little strange. I don't normally come into the church building to pray. I don't know about you, but it's just like not part of my regular routine. But for the Jewish people in Jesus' day, if they were anywhere close to Jerusalem, they definitely would have gone up to the temple to pray because the temple for, for Jews was where God was. It was the place where they would go and make sacrifices of atonement. It's the place where the Ark of the Covenant used to reside. It was the place where God's presence was physically manifest with his people. So, of course, if you wanted to pray to God, you went up to the temple because that's where God is. And so these two people go to the temple to pray, and for two vastly different reasons. But when we, we dive in, Jesus is kind of puts these people into place because he wants us to be thinking about who are these people, what are their reasons, what are their motivations. So the first one that he talks about is a Pharisee. So in Jesus' day, the Pharisees were a very large Jewish sect, and they were very important and prominent in society. So Pharisees were teachers of the law. They were, they were called rabbi. They, they had places of prominence and importance, and they were known for zealously preaching God's law and asking and encouraging the people, the Jews, to follow God's law. They were honored teachers in society. They hold places of prominence and power. And so when we hear that this guy is a Pharisee, if we put on our Jewish hats and kind of think back to the first century, if we're, if we're Jews, we're hearing this guy is wise, he's smart, he's a teacher, he's a really holy guy, he's really religious, he's really good, this is like God's guy. So that's what we should be hearing when, when we hear Jesus use the term Pharisee. This is what his original audience would have heard. But the comparison is stark between this Pharisee and the other guy in the story. 
The other guy in the story is a tax collector. And once again, to understand why this, why this description is so stark, is we have to understand kind of the time period that we're talking about. So it, the Jews in Judea, in Israel, during Jesus' time, were a conquered people. They had been conquered by the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire extended all across the Mediterranean world. And all of the conquered people in the Roman empires, the Jews included, had to pay heavy, heavy, heavy taxes to their Roman overlords. And so tax collectors in ancient Judea were helping these oppressive Roman overlords. And all the Jewish people that Jesus would be talking to would understand this crippling weight of taxes from the Romans. But the reason why this tax collector is despised isn't so much just because he's helping the Romans. He's despised because he himself is a Jew. So as a Jew, he's helping the Roman overlords heavily tax other Jews. And not only that, he would probably be extorting or skimming off the top. And just in general, he's a traitor to his own people. And so when we hear this story, when we hear about these two different people that Jesus is talking about, we hear about a Pharisee, a really religious, important, good guy, God's guy, and we hear about this tax collector, this guy that's skimming off the top, this guy that's helping the oppressive Roman rule. He's really a traitor to his own people. And so when we hear this, if we're putting on our Jewish caps for the first, in the first century, what we're really hearing are we have this Pharisee that we respect and this tax collector that we hate. It's really this Pharisee that's the good guy and this tax collector that's supposed to be the bad guy in this story. So this is, this is kind of how we set up, how we think about this story as we're going through. So Jesus sets the stage, tells about these two people that go up to the temple to pray, and then he starts diving into what their prayers are. So he starts off with the Pharisee, and in verse 11, we see what the Pharisee does and says. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. I don't know about you, but hearing that prayer makes me feel uneasy. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like it's the best prayer. Um, but if you were a Jew in the audience, maybe you'd say, oh, well, you know, maybe not the best prayer, maybe not what we would really want to hear, but give the guy a break. He is following the law. Like, these are all things that God has said. He's not extorting people. He ties on all that he gets. He's really trying to follow the letter of the law. And, I mean, once again, in comparison, he's not like this tax collector over here who's really betraying God's people. So, you know, maybe not the best prayer, but maybe we'll cut the guy a little slack. And then the audience turns to the traitorous tax collector and listens to his prayer. So he stands far off, and he's in the temple, and he's praying. So it's, it's kind of interesting if we compare the posture real quick of these two prayers. The Pharisee is standing far off or standing away from the crowds because he doesn't really want to get too uh, entangled with the other people that are there. The, the tax collector, though, is standing far off because he doesn't feel like he's worthy to come before God. 
He comes up to pray because he wants to be in God's presence, but he's standing far off because he knows this, this isn't really where he should be. He's not normally someone who would go into the temple to pray. And we know that he's, he's sinful. He seems to know this by, by his prayer. He's done what God has commanded that he shouldn't do. He's broken God's law. And so even in his posture, he doesn't look up to heaven to pray, which would have been the custom of the day, but instead he casts down his eyes. He beats his chest, which is a sign of contrition. He knows his sin, and he throws himself before God, and he simply prays this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Instead of trusting what he's done, instead of recounting any of the good things that he may have done in his life, Instead of making excuses for what he has done, he throws himself at God's mercy. He approaches God in humility, and he begs God to treat him as he knows he doesn't deserve. If you were in the original audience listening to this, I would guess that this is not what you would have expected. The Pharisee should have been the one praying for God's mercy. He's supposed to be the holy guy in the story. He knows how to approach God. He knows the stories about God's character and his justice. The Pharisee should have been the one going away justified. But instead, in Jesus' parable, it's the traitorous tax collector, the one who has robbed and extorted God's people, the one who has, fellow, who has cheated his fellow Jews, it's the one who has clearly and blatantly disregarded God's law. This is the one who shouldn't receive any mercy from God. And yet, Jesus declares that it's this one, the tax collector, that goes away justified. And this is the first lesson I think Jesus wants us to see as we dive in and we kind of peel back the layers of this parable. It's that in God's kingdom, our cultural assumptions about who is justified are just off base. In God's kingdom, how we try and judge people in terms of their righteousness and their holiness and their goodness, often and many times and most of the time, doesn't match up with how God judges righteousness and holiness and goodness. We can't tell who is justified by God through their social position or their economic status or their ethnicity or their seeming religiosity, their family background, their political positions, or any other means. Those that are justified before God, those that God declares right before him, those that are in his kingdom, are those who have humbled themselves before God and thrown themselves on his mercy. This means that we can't look at external trappings and say, this person is in or this person is out. It's based on their posture before God alone, their trust in his merciful character, their total reliance on Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. This is how God judges and sees people, not on cultural assumptions that we may label others with. So this is the first lesson that Jesus wants us to take away. So let's shift our viewpoint a little bit. Let's look at this parable from another viewpoint. Notice how this scene starts. So in verse 9, Luke tells us, He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. 
Think about this for a second. Do you think the people in the audience, the ones who trusted in themselves, the ones who believed they were righteous, do you think that they realized this parable was for them? The role reversal probably was very shocking. But do you think that they realized that the story was specifically for them? The Pharisee in the story is trusting in his own righteousness. He thinks his righteous conduct, he thinks his keeping of the law, that what he does before God, explicitly commanded in the Torah, will make him right with God. Notice his comparison. He is comparing himself to other people, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, traitorous tax collectors. It's all about how he stacks up against the people around him. Compared to the other sinners, the Pharisee thinks he's pretty righteous. And the Pharisee believed that he was more righteous than others. He believed that his righteousness would make him acceptable before God. His righteousness before God, though, is it, it's an utter sham. When holding up his righteousness before the perfect holy righteousness of God, it seems utterly ridiculous. Instead of humbling himself before God, he has the audacity to go before God and point out how good and how holy and how righteous he is. And this is the key. We will always trust in someone's righteousness to make us acceptable before God. But we only have two choices. Either we trust like the Pharisee in our own righteousness to make us acceptable before God, or like the tax collector, we throw ourselves on God's mercy and trust in God's righteousness through Jesus on our behalf. These are the only two options. So hear this loud and clear. If you or I trust in our own righteousness, our own goodness, our own religiosity to enter into and stay in God's kingdom, we will find that there is no place for us. The doors to the kingdom are shut to us. But if we trust in God's mercy, if we acknowledge our sin, if we humble ourselves before God, if we trust in Jesus' righteousness on our behalf, we will find a welcoming king and entrance into his good and just kingdom. We will stand before God justified. So maybe you're saying, great, Joel, be like the tax collector, not like the Pharisee. I'm pretty much there. (laughs) I think this is the point in the parable where Jesus wants us to dig down deep. Remember why Jesus told this parable. There were people in his audience trusting in their own righteousness and treating others with contempt. Honestly, this parable probably didn't hit home for them like it should have. But brothers and sisters, I don't want you to walk away from here not hearing God's word. Here's the hard truth that you and I need to hear. We are all more like the Pharisee than we are like the tax collector. We all trust in our own righteousness to make us right before God. We trust in our own righteousness to make us justified to enter into and stay in his kingdom. And that is hard to deal with. And that is hard to come face to face with. Let me ask some questions to get you thinking. Have you ever thought 
not said aloud, but thought something like, thank you, God, that I have such a good family, unlike those people over there. Or thank you, God, that I don't vote for that party or that candidate like those people over there. Or thank you, God, that I'm not lazy and a slacker like those people over there. Or thank you, God, that at least I go to church unlike those people over there. Or thank you, God, that at least I care about this social issue unlike those people over there. Or thank you, God, that at least I'm a pretty good person unlike those people over there. The list goes on and on and on. And if I'm honest, I can see the contempt that I've held for other people in my own life. The ways that I have tried to justify myself before God and build my own little kingdom, build up my own little set of righteous deeds. Who hasn't? And if we honestly reflect, I think we can all see this in our own lives, that we try and justify ourselves You and I are more like the Pharisee, trusting in our own righteousness than we are like the tax collector. Jesus' parable was both for his original audience and it is for us. We either build our own kingdoms and we seek our own righteousness and hold others in contempt and are ultimately excluded from God's kingdom, or we trust in Jesus our King and enter into his kingdom and are justified before him by seeing our sin and our shame and throwing ourselves at God's mercy. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus' kingdom, that our good king has lived a perfectly righteous life for us, died a brutal death on the cross for our sin and shame, and risen from the grave, opening the way into his kingdom. So all we have to do is trust in his righteousness, trust in God's mercy toward us through Christ. And so I encourage you, as we enter into the time of communion this morning, as you reflect throughout this week, lay aside your attempts at recounting your own righteousness before God. Do the hard work of examining your own heart. Confess your sinful contempt for others. Humble yourselves before God, seek his mercy, and trust in Christ's righteousness alone. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you as people who are wicked, who trust in our own righteousness we see these aspects of our lives, Lord, and it is disgusting and it's foul. And Lord, we come before you trusting in Jesus' righteousness and his goodness. We pray that we will see your mercy and your grace poured out through the cross and through the resurrection. And we pray that we will trust in Christ in Christ alone. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.